0: You are listening to a broadcast of Dublin First Baptist Church, Pastor Cameron McGill in Dublin, North Carolina. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit us at www.dublinfbc.org. That's www.dublinfbc.org. Now let's join the congregation of Dublin First Baptist Church and the Lake Church to hear from God's Word. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Genesis, easy book to find, Genesis chapter number 21, tonight we're going to kind of set the groundwork for my message on Sunday, Sunday's message for Father's Day. If I were to use the word Father and you're thinking about the Word of God other than our Heavenly Father, what would be another Father you might think about? Father Abraham had many sons, many sons had Father Abraham. You remember that? Everybody would be doing their motions. What a wonderful song. Father Abraham, we're going to look Sunday at the faith of Father Abraham. So. But I thought it would be interesting to kind of set the stage for that. Many folks that will be at both campuses certainly aren't here tonight. To hear this, So you get just a little extra. Beginning in the first seven verses. I know if you want a title for tonight's Bible study, it's simply this. Don't laugh. Don't laugh. And simply on the thought of trusting God. Think about some time that God has called you, led you, directed you, challenged you to do something that would probably make you bust out and laugh until you realized no, he's serious. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said. Those are four powerful words. That's exactly what God will accomplish. As he had said. And the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age. And at the set time of which God had spoken to him, and Abraham called the name of his son that was born unto him, whom Sarah bare unto him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac, being eight days old, as God had commanded him. And Abraham, here it is, was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born. And Sarah said, God hath made me to laugh, so that all that hear will laugh with me. And she said, Who would have said unto Abraham that Sarah should have given children children For I have borne him a son in his old age. The Bible, from beginning to end, is a book about the most unlikely people accomplishing the most unlikely things, all according to the plan of Almighty God. Very few of us would have scripted out our life and said, This is exactly how I saw things happening. If you would have told me 10 years ago that I would have ever gotten on an airplane to go anywhere, I'd have told you I was crazy. Or you you were crazy. (laughs) Me too, because I wasn't going to get on an airplane. And now the Lord's allowed us to go a lot of places and experience a lot of wonderful things. Let me just share with you a few things tonight. Five, if you want to keep some notes. Number one, Abraham's petition. Now, I know we're Wednesday night and you're tired. I want you to get this, though. What was Abraham's petition? Abraham was a wealthy man. As far as he could see, he owned the land and the cattle on the hills. He had great wealth. He had great power. He had great prestige. He was Father Abraham. He was the chosen one. You say, well, now, the Jews are God's chosen people. That's true by default in that they were whom Abraham birthed. But ultimately, it wasn't that the Jews were God's chosen people. Abraham was God's chosen one. Abraham had everything except for the one thing that his heart so desperately desired, and that was a son. You might be here tonight and you might know people. Then you say, you know, they have everything. They drive the nicest cars, live in the nicest homes, have the nicest clothes. They have power and prestige. They have money. They have wealth. They have everything. But there's something missing in their life. And I would say to you that the one thing that they so desperately want is the one thing that they are missing. You might be here tonight and say, there's something that I'm missing in my life. What Abraham petitioned God in Genesis chapter 18 was for a son, a seed, someone to carry on his name, someone to carry on his legacy, someone for him to pass down all that wealth to and all of of those possessions. He desperately wanted something, listen, that only God could give him. He wanted a miracle to take place in his life. Abraham was to a point that he could not buy this. He could not demand this. His power could not achieve this. And he knew that the only source, the only hope that he had was God. And each of us would fall into that category at times. The last few days I visited with people who have been given the diagnosis of, um, of cancer and disease and And they're desperate and they're saying, Preacher, I've got some really good doctors, but I know ultimately there's only one healer and I'm desperate for God to do a miracle in my life. Sometimes we're tended to have that mentality of doubt, despair, even laughter. I'm just not sure this might be too big for God. I think each of us get in our lives to a point where we wonder, Can we... Face the next challenge. Can we overcome the next obstacle? And our petition must be, God, you've got to do something. We have so many pastor friends that are into such struggle and turmoil. I realize how blessed I am. Now, things are not perfect here. And I'd be burying my head in the sand if I were to tell you that everything was just perfect. Fact is, if this were a perfect church, I'd need to resign quick before I mess it up. But I am a truly blessed man, and I know that case after case after case after case of situations where where pastors are, are leaving and churches are divided and splitting and churches not able to call a pastor because their church is so divided that the man that pleases one half would anger the other half and all of these kinds of things and sometimes when we have an opportunity to meet with these pastors and talk to them we realize that ultimately what they need is a move of God to God to do something that only He can do. So our petition must be in our lives whether it's for the sickness of a loved one whether it's for a miracle to take place in fertility in this case or or whatever it might be. God, we need you to do something. God, we're going to trust you. You are the only one that can. Sometimes we get way too much credit for what happens in our lives. We get way too much credit for what God does in our church. We get way too much credit for the things that we see accomplished around us. I shared this the other week, but I don't remember where or when. But somebody challenged me to go on our website. I do not spend very much time on a computer. Don't spend any time on social media. Uh, somebody will say, hey, did you see on Twitter? I have absolutely no idea what Twitter is, other than I think it gets our president in trouble a little bit from what I hear on the news media. not sure, but I don't understand what a tweet is. I don't understand what Instagram is. I don't understand what Facebook is, really. I just, I just don't. That's out there somewhere in La La Land, and that's okay. So I go on the website, and, uh, and I know pretty much of what's going on in our church, you know. But I'm on the website, and as things are scrolling by all the different events and all the things we're involved with, I'm like, wow, this is really neat. This is really cool. All of this stuff we're doing, all of this stuff we're involved with. And I, I come away from that little experience with a sense of awe of really what God is up to. Now, I'm not going to get caught up in all of the details. I'm not going to get caught up in all of the, you know, the drama that somehow surrounds it at times. But at the end of the day, my petition is going to be every single day, God, you do something in our church that I could never get the credit for. God, you do something so big and so bold and so amazing that nobody could ever go back and say, well, the pastor did this or the pastor did that or the deacons did that or the committees did that. But absolutely would stand back and say, only God could. Only God could. And I'm telling you, a rural church in North Carolina that should be a statistic that seeing the hand of God move, two campuses, the camp, lives being changed, all those things. Friend, the only way you could not see what God is doing is to be so foolish to not be willing to see it. Our petition, same as Father Abraham, Lord, do something that only you could do. Number two, notice the promise. Notice the promise. Chapters 15 and 18. It's the Abrahamic covenant. God makes a promise to Abraham. He tells him in chapter number 15 that the Lord will make a covenant with Abram. Verse number 18 Unto thy seed I have given this land from the river of the Egypt unto the great river of the Euphrates. It's the promised land. It is the promise not only. That he would bless him. But that he would give him what's called the promised land. Chapter 18. The promise would be more than just a land. It would be a promise of a son. The Lord appeared unto, unto Abraham, he lifted up his eyes. He saw the Lord. He said, My Lord, if I found favor, verse 3, in your sight, pass not away, I pray from your servant. And uh, later in this chapter, verse number uh, 9, and he said, Where is Sarah your wife? He said, Behold, she's in the tent. And he said, I will certainly, verse 10, return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah, thy wife, shall have a son. Sarah heard in the tent which was behind him. Sarah and, and Abraham were old and well stricken in age, probably 90 and 80, roughly at that point. And... Uh, says, that it was well beyond the years that she could uh, have a child. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being also so old. And the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh? Shall I have surety bear a child which am, which am old? And he said, Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Here's the promise that God makes. I'm going to do something that you can't claim ownership over, You can't claim the credit for. You can't in any way get the glory. But at the end of the day, people will stand back and say, that was a God thing. That was a God thing. In the lives of our children, what do we want to see? We want to see them succeed, marry right, get the right job. Listen, at the end of the day, I want to be able to stand back and look into the lives of my children and say, that was a God thing the doors that were opened, and the things that they were able to accomplish, they could have never done that in and of themselves. God's promise is to do. Remember what, the, what Paul said in the book of Ephesians? Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ask or think. Abraham's petition. God, I just want a son. I just want a seed. And God's promise is, it's exactly what you're going to get. God could Now think about this, God could have given Abraham a son when he was 35, and Sarai was 25. Could he not? But he would have rather performed a great miracle to show his mighty hand at work. Sometimes we have this idea of how things would fit into our calendar and how things would fit into our schedule, and God is working on a totally different timetable. The Bible says he works in mysterious ways, his wonders to perform. He is performing wonders, but I wonder sometimes, are we willing to be patient and allow God to work through that? I was talking to a pastor friend a couple days ago, and he said, I just don't know what went wrong. He had gone into a church in year one, uh, completely changed how the church did their, their, their business, so to speak, and, and started leading the church to become more mission-minded in the budgeting and in their going and all that. And he said, I just don't know what happened. It, it just didn't work. It ended up, it didn't work out at all for him, and he's no longer there. But he said, I just don't understand it. It worked for you at Dublin. No way, I wouldn't aspire to be Cameron. That probably is not where you're needing to aim. But it took a long time to get to that point, right? Sometimes we have to be patient and say, God, show us step by step what you're up to. Lord, let us not get ahead of you nor fall behind you. Lord, let us be faithful day after day to look for where you're at work. To be patient and wait upon the miracles. It's like the 18-year-old girl that says, I want to find a man. I want to be married. I want to be married and have two children by the time I'm 25 or whatever, you know. I've got a time frame in, and goes out and says, I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to force this to happen. And the, the first goofball that comes along, she's in love, you know. Instead of being patient and waiting upon Mr. Wright. That leads us to point number three. You've seen the petition. You've seen the promise. I hate to tell you, though, there's a problem. Number three, the problem. The problem is found in Genesis 16, the first four verses. Keep it concise tonight. Now, Sarai, Abram's wife, bare him no children. Now, this is part of the Bible that's in here, and it's plain. Sounds like something ought to be on about 2 o'clock on CBS. She bare, bare him no children, but she had a handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said unto Abram, Behold, now the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go in unto my maid. It may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarai. I don't know any details on that. I don't know if Abram said, no, there's no way I could do that. It just says he said, okay. Okay. Didn't take him a lot of convincing. And Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian. And after Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan and gave her to her husband Abram to be his wife, and he went in unto Hagar, she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. For time's sake, we cannot break this down and make it as plain as it probably needs to be. But Sarai came up with a plan how to manipulate the circumstances to accomplish what God would accomplish in His own time, but they just weren't patient enough to wait on. We're going to help God out. We're going to take things into our own hands. We're going we're to figure this thing out. God, thank you for the inspiration. Now we got it from here. May I say to you that every day we need to be bathed in prayer and in the Word of God and, and patiently seeking that God would do that which only He can do. When we take matters into our own hands, it doesn't take long for us to realize that it was a mistake. Something happened. Something happened when Sarai looked into Hagar's eyes and she saw that glow. Men don't see it, I don't think, but women see it. A woman can look at another woman who's recently found out she's expecting. Their eyes can meet from across the room, and the one will start weeping. Oh, you're having a baby. How did you know I could see it? You were glowing. Right? But something happened when Sarai looked at Hagar and she saw that. She saw a glimmer in Hagar's eyes that had never been in her own eyes, and her, her, just the depths of her soul. She was furious. Whose fault was this? It was Abraham's fault for allowing it to happen. Hagar, I'm not sure exactly what she could have said at that point. But at the end of the day, this was Sarai's idea. Have we ever been angry at God for something that we initiated? God, why did you allow this to happen? Well, you're the one that started it. You're the one that went in that direction. You're the one that really brought about the problem. You say, is it really that big of a problem? She was furious because she realized that while she had an expected outcome, she did not go about it in accordance to God's will. That's the problem. But God in His amazing mercy and grace still determined that He was going to keep His word. In the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve sinned and they were exposed and they covered their nakedness and were cast out of the garden, God still loved them and He still had a plan to rescue His creation through Christ. Even though Abram had made a horrific mistake, Sarah had had conceived a, a terrible plan. Hagar had now brought Ishmael into existence. God still had every intention to allow Abram to experience the fulfillment and the provision of the Abrahamic covenant of land and of a son. Number four, notice the provision. Back to where we started, Genesis 21. And the Lord visited Sarah. All right, now when you read that, it just takes on a little bit of a different meaning, doesn't it? The Lord visited Sarah, who had concocted a plan to bring in her handmaiden, give her off to her husband, have a baby their way. God still visited Sarah. There have been so many times in my life, and if you were to be honest, probably say your life, that you'd look back and say, God, I failed you miserably, yet you blessed me in spite of me. There's a provision. You see, we're not the main character, God's will is. He's working. He's working through our mistakes. He's working through our inadequacies. He's working in spite of our problems. He did just as He had said. And He did unto Sarah as He had spoken. For Sarah conceived. That's a pretty emotional experience. The Bible says here she bare a son and called him Isaac. If you've ever been there, maybe... If you've had a baby or you've been there with your wife or a friend or a family member, typically having a baby is one of the most intense emotional experiences imaginable, right? I mean, it truly is an overwhelming experience. Can you imagine? In the emotions that Sarah was experiencing at that moment, not only had she brought a child into this world, not only had she given her husband the son that he so desperately wanted, not only had she become a mother, which was so very important, but in that moment she realized... That God's mercy and His grace and His unmerited favor still enveloped her in that moment. And God had still blessed her in spite of all that she had done that was wrong. The provision. Abraham called the name of his son Isaac. Which meant laughter. Time's about up, but here's the point. Do you remember the first time that God mentioned this whole subject of laughter? God said to Abram, Why did Sarai Sarah laugh? Oh, oh, she didn't laugh. Yes, she did. And it's coming full circle and saying, I'm going to remind you. I'm going to remind you of your response to the promise of the Word of God. Laughter. Every time you call out His name, Every time his descendants hear and read about Isaac, they're going to be reminded of the response that you heard or that you had when you heard the word of the Lord. Let's close with this. Number one, we saw the petition. Had everything, wanted a son. Number two, the promise. I'll give you the land, I'll give you the son. Number three, the problem. They took matters into their own hand. Number four, the provision. In spite of their disobedience and in spite of all of their problems, God still gave them exactly What he said he would. By the way, it's true with the land. Forty years of wandering, but he still sent them in. Joshua and Caleb at the head going in. Moses never stepping foot into the promised land, just seeing it from afar. But God still kept his promise with the land. God still kept his promise with the son, In spite of Hagar, in spite of Ishmael, all these things. Number five. If you're keeping notes, this is a big word. I'm not sure I spelled it right. The perpetuality. Not even sure it is a word, but I'll make it up if it's not. The perpetuality. What does that mean? It means it's still going on today. Twofold. Number one, the perpetuality is going on today through the bloodline of Abraham. He said, from your seed, all of the nations of the earth will be blessed. That's Jesus. In Dublin, North Carolina... The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is still radically changing lives and saving souls. If you were to go to the farthest reaches, to the depths of the jungle, to the most far reaches of the biggest city or the smallest village, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is continuing to change lives. From your seat, all the nations of the earth, all the peoples, tongues, and tribes shall be blessed. But there's another point of this perpetuality. And that is the promise of Abraham's people. I will bless them that bless you. And I will curse them that curse you. The strongest ally we have as a nation is the allegiance with the nation of Israel and the promise that is fixed in perpetuality that has no expiration date. It has no condition except that God will bless those that bless the people of Abraham. Been drinking from a fire hose tonight, lot to take in. But it all goes back. Don't laugh. Don't laugh. What would God call you? What would God inspire you? What would God ch- challenge you to do at this point in your life? My prayer for us is that God would do something here at Dublin at the Lake Church, at the camp, through our ministries and through our individual lives that truly only He can do. Don't, don't take it into your own hands and force it to happen. Be patient. Trust God. Trust God. Father, thank you for the privilege that's been mine to share this Lord portion of your word as we prepare for Sunday.